0: You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. Few countries in the world have faced as much hardship as the country of Haiti. The Haitian people have had to deal with one disaster after another, Whether that disaster was caused by nature or by human hands. It's a country that reminds us that inequality and institutional racism, subjects we talk about a lot here on Detroit Today, are not confined to the borders of the United States. These are international problems. The former first lady of Haiti, Mildred T. Aristide, joins Congresswoman Maxine Waters tonight in Detroit for a discussion about race at the Charles H. Wright Museum at 7 p.m. She joins me now in studio to talk about those issues. Welcome to Detroit Today.
1: Thank you very much, it's a pleasure to be here.
0: Absolutely, so uh, you are here to talk about promoting civil rights for African Americans as well as human rights for Haitian Americans. Talk about the intersection between those two groups. What do African Americans have in common with Haitian-Americans when it comes to that sort of struggle for recognition of their rights?
1: Well, the foundational uh, 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 concept that links African-Americans, Haitian-Americans, and blacks and Africans all over the world is the uh, basis of of slavery. And what I want to speak about tonight is really how the Haitian Revolution, which was and still stands as the first successful slave revolution that resulted in an independent republic and how that struggle and that legacy of resistance persists in Haitians today. As you spoke, you mm-hmm. know, we've got a lot of challenges in Haiti, sure. lots of man-made and lots created by nature. And I know as someone who grew up in the United States, so I, I'm, you know, Haitian, ha- half Haitian and half American, mm-hmm. that it is something that will nurture us to, 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 in the future, yeah. so the resistance from the Haitian Revolution is, I think, the thing that um, people get when they talk about Haiti. yeah,
0: I, I'm not sure most people know of that history. Most people in this country mm-hmm. understand what, what that uh, that history looks like or what it means. but that that idea that there was a slave revolt, and out of that grew an independent uh, country that is managed by by former slaves.
1: Absolutely. Haiti got its independence in eighteen oh four. And so at the time, you had the 13 colonies that had just created the United States of America in the United States. Haiti was the second country to become independent in the Western Hemisphere. So at the time, the population of Haiti was 60% African-born. And so when they revolted, and that revolt began in 1791, it was African soldiers who were revolting against slavery, a very inhumane of the horrors of Haitian uh, slavery were are legendary. And so when they declared their independence in 1804, it was to a community of slave holding nations. You had the United States, you had the rest of the Caribbean that were either owned by Britain or Spain or or France. Mm-hmm. And Haiti was isolated for many, many years. And so had to grow really much, very much isolated and become what it is today. I mean, we've had some difficult moments in our history. U.S. occupation for 29 years, (laughs) dictatorship for 26 years that was supported by forces outside of Haiti and really imposed upon Haiti. But in 1986, for the first time in Haiti's history, Duvalier was expelled from the country. And in 91, we had our first free and fair elections. And that were, those were the elections where my husband was elected as Haiti's first democratically elected president.
0: Right. Uh, so talk about Haiti today. I think most Americans are familiar with uh, the earthquake mm-hmm. that absolutely devastated uh, the island. Uh, how much? How much recovery yeah. has been able to take place?
1: It absolutely devastated Haiti in in uh, two thousand and ten. Um, Upwards of 300,000 people were killed. Um, The recovery recovery has been slow. It has been slow. um, But I put it against a context of a very vibrant culture and a very strong, um, as I said, a very strong and powerful ideology of resistance. And so you have a situation now. There is intense poverty in in Haiti. There's no sugarcoating it. It is a very poor country. But a population that is very keen to their to a political awareness of their value as human beings. And when my husband was elected as president for the first time in ninety one, he had a very simple and yet profound um, theory and and vision. It was to move from poverty, from misery mm-hmm. to poverty with dignity. So this sense that Haitians could take ownership and to fight against really the interference coming from outside of Haiti, which is centuries old at that point and to see how we as individuals can fight towards the future. And so we still have a very difficult political situation, but I'd like to talk a little bit about what we are doing sure. in Haiti. We have a university called UNIFA, the University of the Aristide Foundation, founded in 02 or 03, I should say, and now with uh, over 1,000 students. And so that is part of our effort to, to change the focus from Haiti being a a place of natural disaster, of political disaster, to put the spotlight on young people yeah. who are indeed... Opportunity. opportunity. and who are indeed very focused on creating a different future for themselves. Yeah.
0: Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. My guest is Mildred T. Aristide. She is an attorney and former first lady of Haiti. She's appearing with Representative Maxine Waters tonight at the Charles H. Wright Museum at 7 p.m. We are talking about the sort of intertwined legacies of inequality and institutional racism that exist between a country like Haiti and a country like the United States. We talk about these issues an awful lot here on Detroit Today. Uh, What are the relationships between the things that we see in Haiti and the things that we see here in the United States? If you want to join the conversation, give us a call at 313-577-1019. That number is 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, your your appearance with uh, Maxine Waters uh, tonight, I think is quite timely. <laughs> I know that wasn't purposeful scheduling, but she's been in the news a lot lately uh, around these very issues. Uh, I, I mean, I think uh, the phenomenal uh, reaction of uh, white journalists, of white politicians to the things that she has said in resistance, in resistance to President Donald Trump, remind us of the fact that these issues—they aren't gone. Uh, these are not issues of the past. The the, the inequality, the imbalance of uh, of race and class and gender, just sort of hits us in the face all the time.
1: Absolutely. And Maxine also has a Haiti story, a Haiti connection. Maxine, we've known Maxine now for over twenty years. Maxine has been to Haiti. I can't count how many times. She probably needs to have an, a residency card because she's been to Haiti many times and has been very courageous in that very same way of standing with the people of Haiti. On January 1, 2004, when Haiti was celebrating, we were celebrating our bicentennial of our independence, Maxine Waters was there. Mm-hmm. She was there with us supporting that. And it's no surprise that that Reverberates in all of her actions as a U.S. Congresswoman, yeah. because she has been a very, very strong supporter always of the right for people to be autonomous and to and to and to say it without fear, and um, so that's why she yeah. and my husband are, are very good friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: when you say resistance uh, mm-hmm. and and talk about that being sort of at the core of the character uh, of the Haitian people, it, it reminds me of. It reminds me of, of lots of things here in the country, in the United States. It also reminds me of Detroit uh, oh. in, in in many ways. And and I guess a word that we use that may be somewhat similar but not quite exactly the same is resilience. I We always talk about how resilient Detroiters are, that uh, – uh, that with all of the awful things that have happened to us over, over, over many, many decades, if not uh, more than a century, that, that people here still um, still cling uh, to the idea of autonomy and freedom and self-determination and just keep sort of plugging. And I, I, in some ways when you're saying resistance, I guess I'm hearing resilience. And, and, and maybe there are sort of related uh, concepts here.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's it's very easy to if you look at a picture and and what is generally I think what most Americans see of Haiti, Mm -hmm. you see images post earthquake and you see the poverty because it's inhumane poverty. It's not just poverty. It's inhumane. And you think, my gosh, it's it's an inhumane situation. And yet nowhere will you sense humanity stronger than in Haiti. A strong sense of humanity, a humanity that allows people to demonstrate 50 days beyond an election in Haiti that was not, that was not agreed upon by the majority, let's sure, say. Sure. And so you have 50 days of demonstration because there is a strong sense. I'm a person. In Haiti, in Creole, we say, tut mun, se mun. Every person is a human being. And Haitians res- demand that. They demand that, give me what is due to me because I am a human. And again, I go back to the common African root if you know anything about Ubuntu, mm-hmm. which is a concept, a humanistic concept in Africa, that I am a person because you are a person. So we are all bound in this humanity, a shared humanity. So Haitians have that. And and they will speak freely. Well, you know, well, look what's going on in Haiti. Haitians are very politically aware. They'll say what's going on in Haiti is similar to what's going on in the United States. What's going on in France with the sans papiers the people without papers. Right. So they see the connection in a very, very, very insightful. Decisive way, and I think that that is the strength. And it's not; it's easy to say we're resilient, and so you can pour anything on us. That's not, you know, we don't we want to we don't want to do that, but we want to acknowledge the strong and the strength of the Haitian identity in facing very difficult times.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, your husband's legacy in Haiti and yours. He, of course, was the first democratically elected president uh, there in, in Haiti, but he's got a pretty complex... Legacy in the sense that uh, that he was also ousted mm-hmm. by a coup. Uh, there were accusations of human rights violations and corruption while he was uh, president. But he's also given credit for making great strides with human rights. So Absolutely. I mean, he's a very complicated Absolutely. figure in in Haitian history. I, I just want to have you address sure. that legacy for a bit.
1: Sure. He was first elected in 1990. He was a Catholic priest did tremendous work with Children of the Street as a Catholic priest, was a teacher, and by popular acclaim, he was asked to become the candidate for president. He becomes elected in 1990, his first term from 1991 to February 1991, September. Seven months later, there was a coup led by the military at the time. He's expelled for three years. He He spent three years in the United States at that time. And it's clear, and it's not a question of, of, it's a historical fact that that coup was supported by external forces to Haiti. Sure. And so they there was, almost
0: always are, right? I mean, <laughs> well, this was an instance where it's been documented yeah. that it certainly was.
1: Yeah. He comes back to Haiti, finishes his term, and one of the most important legacies that he will always have is that he dismantled the Haitian army, which was a corrupt institution that had been created back during the U.S. occupation and has always been a force of of repression and was the biggest obstacle to any kind of democracy in Haiti. So he dismantled that army. So that will stand as one of the greatest legacies of his first presidency. That and with the number of schools that were built, the number of schools that were built and constructed under his term, his, his successor, who came from the same political party and then during his second term, were greater than what had been constructed for Haiti's first 190 years of existence. So those are the two strongest legacies. When he was re-elected in 2001, again, spends three years with great opposition fomenting in the small minority of Haiti, which does does not believe in the concept of every Mm -hmm. person is an individual, they, with support again from outside of Haiti, again, a second coup. And he was forced again to leave and and kidnapped and left and was forced out of the country in February of 2004. Seven years. We spent seven years first in Central Africa, in Jamaica, and then ultimately in South Africa. But every year we said, we're going back to Haiti. And indeed, in March 2011, he returned to Haiti to popular acclaim and to return to his legacy of education. And so we reopened the the university, that following September, within five months, with lots of support of friends, because the university had been taken over by the international military forces that had come to Haiti in 2004, we restored the university. And we're now at 1,200 students Giving them an opportunity to be leaders in their community, to think country, to have a safe place to grow and to nurture in a country that is desperately in need. So that's the legacy of my my yeah, husband. Yeah,
0: uh, I, I wonder also uh, quickly. We've we've only got a, a minute or so left. Uh, if you see a difference in the way that the different U.S. administrations have dealt with Haiti, I mean, there, obviously there are different policies that come from the the, the different parties here but from a Haitian perspective, has the U.S. ever done the right thing, I guess, uh, with regard to to Haitian independence, autonomy, uh, helping lift the country out of that abject poverty? I know, I ask you that as a quick question. (laughs) It's not fair, right? Um, (laughs) Exactly.
1: Um, You know, Haitians are an open people and we are open to collaboration with Americans, with French, Canadians, any population, any country, any government that has the equal respect that we have for individuals. And it's not a question of give me something. Sure. It's work with me. Right. And so in that sense, governments that have wanted and have worked with Haitians on the Haitian goals have been open and, and we've and been very welcomed with open arms in yeah. Haiti.
0: Okay, Mildred T. Aristide, former first lady of Haiti, uh, appearing with Representative Maxine Waters tonight at the Charles H. Wright Museum at 7 p.m. Thank you very much for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you very much. Absolutely. All right. Up next, this old house has been working on a house in Detroit, and now we will get to see the progress. We're going to talk about the premiere of the upcoming season of the PBS program next. Stay with us on Detroit Today.